Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. I'll tell you what, it's so good to be able to be back sharing again. Um, you know, obviously last week was a brilliant week, and you know, who, who was blessed by Dr. Alan Meyer last week? What a powerful word. You know, again, we, we're privileged by the incredible men and women that we have in our movement that literally go around the world and make a difference. You know, I think about what Dr. Alan shared, and I'm going to get straight into it because of time, but, and I think about what he preached on last week, Jesus is Lord, and it was so powerful for many of us where we're happy to take Jesus as our Savior, but we're not as happy or as comfortable uh, with Jesus as Lord over our lives. But as powerful as that was, what resonated with me, what stuck with me, was seeing the incredible ministry that Dr. Allen and, and, and Helen Meyer have had through Careforce. And how that was made possible because of one nameless person who in a moment of obedience had the courage to have a conversation with Dr. Allen in an amphitheater of of a university while he was having his lunch. If you weren't with us last week, I encourage you to download the podcast. Dr. Allen talked about this moment in time, this story where he had a conversation with someone that just asked him questions. Didn't seem to know more than him in that sense or wasn't pretentious about anything, but just asked some questions about his own relationship. And what that did, it set into motion a calling in action. God's calling for our lives can start in one little moment in time. God's calling for someone's life can start in a moment of time with you at work, with you at the service station. One conversation can start something incredible that now we see in his life, that the biggest blessings can come from the smallest of encounters. An answer to a prompt has led to literally thousands of people coming to know Jesus Christ through the ministry of Careforce Church under Dr. Allen and Pastor Helen. We think of our very own senior pastor, Pastor Corey and Simone Turner, who were mentored under the leadership of Dr. Allen and Helen Meyer when they were at Careforce Church, all because of a moment in time, because someone at a moment in time said, yes to God, I will ask the question and see how someone's going. You know, in a couple of months, we're going to be launching a a study, um, a series, a training, an opportunity for all of us to share. And it is exactly what it is, to share Jesus confidently. We have the greatest gift that literally can empty hell and fill heaven. But yet many of us, for whatever reason... Just leave it aside. So in a couple of months, we're going to have Pastor Cherie coming and ministering. Even at the end of this month, she's coming along to share as well. But we've set aside here at West the month of July to focus on evangelism. That, that, that E word that can freak people out, evangelism focus. It can be so scary for so many of us. But when we simplify what the word gospel means, you know, we, we've, I don't think this is a word, but I want to say it, we've religified it. But the gospel simply means the gossip. When all the, you know, we, in El Salvador, you got all the ladies around making the tortillas and they're gossiping around. Back in the day, it was the gossip of the good news. Let me tell you about this Jesus guy that I encountered. Let me tell you about what Jesus has done. It was the gossip, the good news of Jesus Christ. And yet for many of us, we've put that in the mortar of pestle 
of human logic and we've condensed it into a powder of wanting to convince people with a product, with a substance, not with a person. See, evangelism is not about our job to convince people. It's not to be a salesperson and that when they receive Jesus, we've converted the sale and we get the, the rewards. It was never for us to convince people. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, Paul telling the Corinthian church, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. The context there being, some of those were like, oh, well, my preacher's this guy, man. Oh, Pastor Dave, he's a great preacher. But Pastor, no, no, but this guy's even better preacher. It is not our job here. All we are, we're messengers just like you. All we do is we plant the seeds that God puts on our hearts. Others will water it, but God is the one that makes it grow. And so what I really like when I read the Gospels was so uh, profound, was so inspiring, is that the Gospels paint various pictures of the lengths that people would go to in order for Jesus to not only touch their lives, but those. Uh, the, for some, the reality of not seeing Jesus was not an option. And so people would do whatever it takes. And that's the title of my message today, whatever it takes. There is something so profound about the human heart when you love something when you love someone how far you would go and and I came across this story and I'm going to ask for the picture to come up behind me of what is called team Hoyt you've got father Dick and son Rick Rick was born and oxygen wasn't getting to his brain and he got diagnosed from a very young age with cerebral palsy and as he grew they noticed that he was very intelligent, that he actually had a heart for the academic, ultimately ended up studying at Boston College. But there was a moment in time where in his college, there was a young man who became paralyzed in a freak accident, and he was a lacrosse player. And Rick just had this stirring on his heart, and he went to his dad, and he said, Dad, I want to just run for his money and actually show him that life is worth living. Handicapped or not, you can live a full life. And a loving father who had never trained before, he had a military background, but he hadn't trained at all, said yes. And so he starts the training. Um, you know, when, when Rick would be at school, Dick would literally put on a, a, a bag with cement and he would run to a point where he ran 5Ks in 17 minutes with cement on his, in his bag. Let me tell you something. I ran uh, 2Ks in 14 minutes Without cement, but lots of food in here yesterday. And so they ran 5Ks. They did the race. And there was such a thrill on Rick's face. And he said to his father, Father, every time I run with you, I don't feel handicapped. There's a thrill. I feel alive. And so the loving father didn't stop there. So Dick trained. They did. They trained for triathlons. And, and sadly, Dick's gone to be with them go now, but over their life, he did 257 triathlons with his son in tow. Why do I share that story with you? When you love someone, when someone in your world, when you walk past someone in your world that is suffering and you have a heart for them, you will do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to make them feel alive for a moment in time. For those in need. You will have faith to see people restored. Jesus encountered so many people who were desperate to see their loved ones saved. 
And I want to just share one of these stories with you. It comes out of Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. And it will appear on the screen behind me. But it says, A few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say, that, to, say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. See, Jesus did a crowd wherever he went. Let me change it to present tense. Jesus always attracts a crowd wherever he is. Everywhere he went, and this moment was no exception. Prior to this, he had healed a man with leprosy, and he just said, hey, don't go say anything. Just go show yourselves at the temple. But the guy couldn't contain himself, and he went, and he did the gossip. He went to gossip, look, I don't have leprosy anymore. So now he's gone to Capernaum, and everyone's come out to see Jesus. His reputation preceded him, and here he was at home. And then everyone came, everyone, their friends, brothers, cousins, sisters, granddads, friends, other nieces, dogs, owner, they all came. There was no room. The word had gotten out. Can you imagine that for a moment? What a picture it would have been to see a whole place filled with people, you know, just wanting to see Jesus. It's often, often an image that I get. I can't wait for the days where people are lighting up, not to hear someone preach, but to see Jesus minister. That's my dream. That's what I live for every day. But whilst many got to see him, it meant that there were plenty of people who would have missed out because they could not have accessed Jesus where he was. And they had no one to take them there. It was at this moment where we see that desperate times called for desperate measures. Verses 3 to 4, we read about Subbed came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, they lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. Four friends. They had their friend. They, whether, you know, the Bible, we read the commentaries, they talked about them being friends. They may not be. I don't know, but I'm just going to assume that they were friends, that they loved this guy. And they've got their friend there who's paralyzed, and they hear, wait a second, Jesus of Nazareth is in Capernaum. What if we take our friend there? I can tell you one thing. If we take our friend there, he will be healed. So they go up, and I'm just going to give him a name. Gary, Gary, Jesus is in town. Come on, man. Let's go. Let's do it. Come on. They had faith that Jesus could heal. Church is covenant family. 
How many of us have faith that Jesus can heal our friends? Jesus can heal our family. Jesus can restore those around us. And so they picked up Gary. Here they are. They're walking. They're carrying Gary and being very gentle with him. And then they hit a roadblock. Literally, they hit a roadblock. The roads were blocked with hundreds of people that were in line. Wait in turn. Wait your turn, buddy. Wait your turn. We've been here for hours. Almost like a Justin Bieber concert. We've been here since 3 a.m. waiting for our tickets. You ain't pushing in, bucko. Let's talk about the crowd for a second. You know, the crowd is scary. Lots of nameless faces. It's intimidating. For many of us, the thought of me giving you the microphone to come up here and talk to your covenant family, shivers down your spine and, and the shakes to come in. The crowd can silence us. The crowd can intimidate us. And it has stopped people throughout history. Throughout history, there have been moments in time where God wanted to move through a man, through a woman, but the crowd, the voice, the silent voice of the crowd was enough to put people off. And let me tell you, it's a strategy that the enemy will use and it's still happening today where many of us, when we have the prompting of the Holy Spirit to share with someone where we are, we think about what are others going to think about me if I mention the name Jesus. And it's stopping us today. But my heart is that at the end of the evangelism series through revival, no longer we will be silenced. The bride of Christ will sing again. The bride of Christ will shout again and we will see thousands saved again. So we go back to the friends. All right, Gary, we're in a bit of a pickle. They were at a crossroad, but they had come too far. They had come so far to turn away. Oh, no. We so they started thinking laterally. We could wait here for hours. Or we can do something about it. I once read a quote. To get what you've never had, you need to be willing to do something you've never done. And often what we can do is we can say people's no's for them. Ah, oh, no, they're not going to want to know about Jesus. Look at them. They're so cool. Nah. Nah, that guy. <laughs> that guy hates church. Yeah, he ain't coming. He, this guy's like as heathen as you get him. I think in the dictionary, if you, you look at the name heathen, you'll see that name there. There was once a point in time, that was David Fuentes. There was once a point in time where I was, at least for the perception of people living this happy, happy life away from church, and people would always, often come to say and say, you're going to hell. That's how they were saying, oh, cool, God is love, but I'm going to hell. Thanks for that. Not one to shy away. My response was good. I'll see half of you there because, you know, the church is full of hypocrites. I'm not walking to a church. And I would say that, and I would refuse to go to church. But there is someone in our world who, like the literally for a moment in time, you know, we had gone to a Planet Shakers uh, event, a youth event, and you know, I still remember when the altar call happened, everyone's looking to see if I'm responding, if the heathen's responding. And I'm like, no chance I'm responding. I, ain't, I believe in you, God, but I ain't coming back. And so we went out to dinner, and this guy, you know, he was, you know, a, a part of the church that we used to be a part of. He asked me the question, he's like, hey, are you still playing keys? Are you still writing songs? You know, there was once a day where I would write songs and I would worship lead and those, church, th those days were over for me because my inspiration was God, but I didn't have a relationship with God. And I thought that was an odd question, because usually it's like, what are you doing with your salvation, my friend? What's going on? You're going to go to hell. He hadn't said this. I'm like, I'm waiting for it, though. But he said something that was very interesting. He goes to me, I know how you feel about church, so hear me out on this. He goes, our keyboard player, he's overseas right now, 
how awesome was it those days where you could go overseas? Anyway, it's, he's overseas right now. We didn't have a keys player. Hey, why don't you just come and play keys on a Sunday and go home? And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm not a rock star, so I'm not going to be like, all right, guys, David's leaving the building. No one's ever asked me this way. I'm like, you know what? Why not? So I came. I started playing the keys, and there was a very beautiful woman that was worship leading. Hey. Um, and then three, four months later, I give my life back to the Lord. To get something you never had, you need to be willing to do something you've never done. Hundreds told me what I wasn't. Hundreds told me I was going to hell. One person saw something and spoke into that. God operated. Someone planted the seed. God watered it. Sorry, someone planted the seed, used others to water it, but God made it grow. So for the friends, they wanted their friend to be at the feet of Jesus. So they literally went above and beyond the call of duty and made a hole in the roof. They didn't care if they looked foolish. But ultimately, their act of faith caught Jesus' undivided attention. See verse 5. You know, we read, uh, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are... Can you imagine that? Like Jesus is there preaching to everyone. Then all of a sudden, you, you see something in the corner. What on earth is going on? And then literally someone is being lowered there in that moment. So he stopped and immediately saw that. And rather than see a great distraction or inconvenience, he saw beyond the physical and saw the faith of the four men. And he acted straight away on that faith. You know, that tells us that our prayers make a difference. Don't stop praying for your friends. Don't stop praying for the lost. Don't stop praying for the sick. Don't stop praying for those around you because God sees your faith. God responds to our faith. I won't read the whole story, but you know, we, we read about this with Centurion who had his servant who was sick and Jesus, all right, man, I'll come with you. And he's like, no, no, you, look, I'm a man of authority. And I'm like you in that sense. I, I, I tell someone go and they go. I tell someone come and they come. All you need to do, Jesus, is speak the word and I know he'll be healed. And he'd never seen faith like that in all his years on earth. You know, James 5, 14 to 15 tells us, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Our prayers, our actions are not in vain. Jesus' action was in response to what he saw. Miracles are normal. But the question is, who are we praying for? Like honestly praying for. Not just in the moment when we say, who are we praying for? I think of, ah, oh, Gary. But then I go Monday through Saturday, Gary is just a shadow in my mind. Who are we contending for? Who are we believing will encounter Jesus? Who are we praying for? And then who can we bring to the feet of Jesus? See, I'm sure these guys would have been praying for Gary, but they heard Jesus was in town. Like, okay, well, it's Gary, come. Ah, oh, man, I've heard about this, man. Like, I'm sure there was plenty of false prophets back then. I'm sure, ah, oh, this is just another one of those fads. Gary, shh, come on, let's go, because Jesus will heal you. But yet it's interesting because Jesus' response to their faith was to forgive the sin. And we read in verses 6 to 7, the religious elite were skeptical. Who does this guy think he is? And they questioned him in their hearts. 
people will question you. In fact, you'll often hear it when you share about Jesus Christ. So you'll think you're better than everyone. The amount of times when I've told people that, I, that, that, that I'm a believer, oh, so you're the person that judges into whatever, whatever thing that is the flavor of the day. So you're the person that judges that. How sad is that that that's what believers are known for in this day? For what they're against, not who they believe in. That's a separate thing. People will question, but it's not our job to justify. It's our job then, Jesus, represent, represent the goodness of God in our lives. Because we are the ones that are sent. Let's represent the, the one that we're ambassadors for. Let's bring others to his feet. Let's carry the ones that are broken. You know, the crowds and, and maybe perhaps the friends would have justifiably wondered why Jesus elected to forgive the man's sins and not heal his paralysis. You know, I believe the reason this is, is a case because the, the, the physical aspect is a matter of life and death, but the condition of the soul has eternal ramifications. See, Jesus healed the most important thing first, his heart, his eternity. His, in Jesus' eyes, his eternity was greater than literally his next physical steps. You know, in fact, in Matthew 18, 8 to 9, where, where Jesus gives us a warning that can send shivers down our spine, it says, if your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire. That's not to be taken literal right now, so I'll go gouging eyes out and, and that. But the point of it is, is there's an urgency and significance in that. Hey, what good is it for you to have everything but not have anything? See, for Jesus, he understood that a healed body will get you a full quality of life, whereas a healed soul will set you up for eternity. Church, as real as heaven is, as real as heaven is for all of us who have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, so too is the opposite. Hell is real. And right now there are hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions, if not billions of people that are going to hell because you and I hold back and not do whatever it takes. And yet Jesus, when he came, he came for those, not just for the ones in church. In fact, I would argue that on a Sunday or Monday through Saturday, as Jesus would be in the prayer meeting, he would also be out there all day and then coming back here at night. Jesus didn't just come for the believers, but for all. Luke 5, 27 to 32 after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. Where's Levi? You're not a tax collector. Praise the Lord for that, my friend. Sitting at his tax booth. God's good. Huh? Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belong to this sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus set foot where others dared not. We can't expect others to come here if we're not willing to go there. 
We can't expect others to come here if we don't have or carry a sense of urgency to go there. We're not in a force field here that somehow when we walk out there, we're, immu- we're all of a sudden not immune anymore. God is with us. Jesus tells us, go and I will be with you for to the very ends of the age. The friends knew that God could heal. They understood this. They understood that signs and wonders are real. But signs and wonders accompany what we preach. What are we preaching, church? Mark 16, 15 to 18, Jesus says, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Not convince everyone, just preach. Go, go tell the gospel to every living person. But here it says all creation, every living thing. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drink in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick and they will get healed. Whatever it takes requires faith. Whatever it takes requires courage to step out. For the friends, they knew it was a high risk. I mean, first and foremost, just thank the Lord they didn't have people like me in that friendship group because those who know me, I'm scared of heights. I get on this stage, like the little stage here, I freak out that I'm going to fall and smash my face. Um, thank God they didn't have people like that in that group. But they understood the, there was a high risk, but there was a high reward as well. Their friend would be healed. For us, yes, it's a high risk. But there is no greater reward than seeing soul saved. There was no greater feeling than last week when I heard Dr. Alan Meyer say, I see your hand, I see your hand. There is no greater feeling. Let me tell you, let me be upfront and real with you. I'm not thinking, oh, how are we going to get them in our church? No, praise the Lord that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, and let's just pray that they get connected somewhere and live out their, God's will for their lives. Lives healed, people at the feet of Jesus. Going to invite the band to come up. In a society that is searching for identity in every other place, we find that there are many that are spirit, the spiritual equivalent of this paralyzed man. Paralyzed, afraid, and abandoned. And yet God has given us the greatest gift in Jesus Christ. And not only has He given us His gift, He has entrusted us to lead people to Jesus. See, Jesus has given us a blueprint. When we read Luke chapter 5, the scripture that I read earlier, Jesus didn't just stand on the pulpit. He went where others didn't go. He caught up with people where they were at. He had a heart and a time to be where people were in the hour of great need. He did life with people. Seeing the soul behind the need, he would hear it. That's paralysis, but then he would also see, wait a second, I'm... I don't know how many years after, how many months after he died, but right now, heaven doesn't have this guy in it. Let me heal his sins first. <laughs> Let me heal his sins first. Because God and Jesus, through his son Jesus has the authority to heal the sick, but also to forgive sins. And so, for us, let's see the soul behind the need. Let's see the soul beyond the rejection. Let's trust in the Holy Spirit where it says, sorry, in Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends 
of the earth. You know, we're going to be talking about evangelism this month. And I understand. I've been in that boat where, where evangelism, the, the, the thought of it was scary for me. But then I read this story and I understand that evangelism doesn't need... You know why, church? Because the four friends in this story, they evangelized to their friend. Let's, let's see how that is. First of all, they told their friends that Jesus could heal. Second of all, they carried Him when He couldn't move. Thirdly, they had faith to believe even when He didn't have faith that He would be healed. And ultimately, they brought Him to the feet of Jesus and His eternity was saved. And as a little bonus, He was able to walk again. In all of this, their inadequacies were not the focal point. Jesus was the focal point. Let's not be afraid of the crowd. Let's not. Eternity is at stake. I know this isn't the feel-good message that you want to hear, but the reality is it's the only message we need to hear. Let's go and make disciples. Let's go and reach others. We are in this together. Let's look to carry people to Jesus when they cannot move. Let's continue to pray and intercede. But Dave, I'll be praying for my colleague, for my son, for my husband, or whoever it is. I don't know how long the friends were believing for their friend. But all I do know is that the Bible tells us in that moment in time when they lowered the friend to the feet of Jesus, Jesus healed his sin, forgave his sins and healed his body. Prayer fuels power. Who is one person in your world that needs Jesus? should all have one person in our world that needs Jesus and if we don't then we need to start reflecting church because for Jesus he had plenty of people he had plenty of people that that followed him but there were plenty of people that couldn't access him he went to them reach out to this person invite them to a coffee often we want to jump the gun and, and, and I love what Dr. Allen said last week it was pretty funny we'll start asking the question what's the darkest sin in your life Oh, the, how, the way you talk, mate, you're going to hell. And when Jesus went to different people, he got to know who they were first. He didn't start pointing fingers. He got to hear stories. So reach out, take them for a coffee. A lot of great coffee places around this place. Ask questions. Don't assume, ask questions. What's your story? Where are you at? Get to know them. Reserve judgment. Reserve judgment. The amount of times that, that, and it wouldn't happen here at Numa West uh, or Numa at Oyster, another church, another place, another time. Uh, but the amount of times that people come up, oh, look how that person's dressed, Pastor Dave. They shouldn't be dressed like that. Oh, Pastor Dave, do you hear how that person talks? They shouldn't talk like that in church. But little do they know that a week before, the life that they were living, didn't honor God at all. The very fact that they walked through these doors is a miracle. We tell people, come as you are on a Sunday. And on Tuesday, we're telling them to change everything about them. It doesn't tell us in the Bible that's how it works. Many of us who have been on this journey for 10 years still has things that I have to work on. I can't expect the person that walks in on Sunday to have it all together by Tuesday. And neither should we, church. So let's reserve judgment we have that good coffee or that good brekkie or whatever it is offer to pay then offer to pray 
invite them to church. See God move. Simple as that, church. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.